previously on Suspicion. She's had a number of men taken from her sooner than, than she'd want. It's Ed Dawson's ex-wife. You remember him got trampled allegedly by cows? I mean, this is two coincidences. I think not. With two husbands, I think not. It was March of 2003, and Rainella Dossett Leith was distraught over her second husband, David Leith's suicide. Help me! Help me! Ma'am? My husband hurt himself! Although Knox County detectives began to suspect that's not really what happened. I'm not saying it stinks, I'm just saying it's strong. This isn't the first time they've met Rainella. It's not the first time they've been to this farm. And it's not the first time they've questioned her about a husband's death. Do you remember Ed Dawson? From the Knoxville News Sentinel and the USA Today Network, Tennessee, this is Suspicion. The first time was 11 years before. Her husband then was the top prosecutor in Knox County, Ed Dossett, the district attorney general. They married Raynella in 1970. They were married in Nashville and they had three children, two daughters and a son. This is Jim Ballack. He's a retired crime reporter who's written about Ed and Raynella for years. At the time this case began, I was a reporter for the Knoxville News Sentinel, about 41, 42 years, something like that. Ed and Rainella both grew up in Knox County and went to college together at East Tennessee State University. Ed Dossett with the local boys from the get-go, uh, raised on a farm. Rainella, she comes from a very good family. Her father was uh, an employee of Oak Ridge National Lab, and uh, she went to East Tennessee State, and I believe that may well be where she met Ed. I don't know if they knew each other before, but they were at East Tennessee State University together. Ed became a lawyer, and Rainella became a nurse. They were, each one was known independently in their own fields and uh, also known in many other circles as a, as a couple, I guess you would say a power couple, to a degree at least. They settle on a farm on Solway Road in West Knox County where they raise beef cattle between practicing law and nursing. Ed, he chews tobacco. He bounces between the courthouse and the cattle auctions. He was known to walk into the office on occasion with cow manure still on his boots. Ed was... Uh, fundamentally a, a laid-back country boy from the word go. He, he stayed busy with his farm all through his political and, and legal career. Ed makes a name. He serves as assistant county law director, then gets elected district attorney general in 1982. He's a Republican, like most politicians in East Tennessee. By and large, he was known for letting his staff do their job without a whole lot of supervision. In fact, there were some people that felt he spent too much time away from the office and on the farm. I don't know if that's correct or not, but I, I had, have heard that. 
it wouldn't surprise me because it was more than a hobby. They loved that farm. While Ed's trying cases and putting people in jail, Raynella is running the nursing department at Park West Hospital. She was the Iron Maiden. <laughs> uh, the other nurses were just plain old afraid of her. Really? And there can be some advantage to that. you got to be tough to be a nursing supervisor. Fear can be healthy when you're trying to get the most professionally out of someone. You know, she had a good reputation, uh, approachable, easy for the doctors to work with, and got the job done. This is Randall Pedigo. You might have heard he has issues of his own. That's true, but it doesn't pertain to this case, so we won't be talking about it. In 92, he was a surgeon on staff at the University of Tennessee Hospital and the chief medical examiner for Knox County. That means he had to sign off on every death in the county and whether there was any reason to be suspicious about its cause. Well, I always told people I was fairly suspicious by nature, and you get to be suspicious as a medical examiner. He's seen fatal accidents, murders, suicides, all up close. He's looked people in the eye when they've told the truth about how a loved one died and when they've lied. I just always hear people say, oh, I can't believe so-and-so would be the type of person to do that. But that's a popular misconception. Yeah, that's right? ridiculous. Uh, any medical examiner that bases his opinion on that's a fool. Because no. killers look just like you and me, They right? look just like you and me, buddy. And on July 9th of 1992, he got a call about a death. I was at UT Hospital doing my usual doctor thing there, and my beeper went off call Park West Emergency Room. I called Park West Emergency Room and they said, Dr. Pettigrew, we've, we've got Ed Dawson down here and, he, and he's died. And well, that wasn't shocking at all. Ed had been fighting cancer for the past year and a half. Doctors discovered it during a routine operation to remove his appendix. At the time of his death, he was literally eaten up with it, just dreadful. His abdomen was absolutely full of cancer. There wasn't a square inch inside his abdomen that was not infested with cancer. They had tried to remove it, but could not possibly remove it at all. Ed was getting around his farm in a wheelchair, and he was on morphine to kill the pain. But Ed and Raynella, they wanted to keep things quiet. His assistants at the DA's office tell everybody the cancer's in remission. Don't worry. Ed's coming back any day. But word gets around. Raynella kind of stepped up a little bit to hush some of that. Do you remember that? Or can well, you they were, that? She, she would. She was very closed mouthed about it, which I think is understandable. Dossett's assistant at the time was Rex McGee, and he stepped up and became acting attorney general. They both would basically deflect questions and and uh, and were saying, "Well, he's doing well, or we expect he'll be able to return to work." Well, he's still involved in work from home calling into the office and things like that. That was about the most we in the media got out of. And no one really faulted him for that. You know, that's a very personal, private thing. Like no one had any clue as to what I was coming. I mean, he literally had only a few weeks at the most, in my opinion, to live. And, uh, and his death was expected, but not quite in the way that it happened. I said, it looks like he's been killed in a cattle stampede on his farm. Well, you can imagine that I was a, a little bit befuddled or at least concerned about what was going on, so I certainly needed to examine the body. Now, Ed's cattle, they're not the kind of rough, half-wild longhorns you might see on Bonanza or in a John Wayne movie. These are pulled Herefords, 
They're the white-faced cows you see looking up while you drive on any country road in East Tennessee. They've spent most of their life on Ed's farm from the time they were calves, eating from a feed bucket, and they've probably seen him every day of their lives. Pettigo asked the nurse to bring Ed's body to UT Hospital for an autopsy to see how he died. But Rex McGee, Ed's chief assistant, is at the emergency room, and he said no. Raynella wasn't down there then. Rex McGee, one of the assistant, the higher assistant, maybe his deputy, was there, and for some reason they did not want to send the body to UT. Well, I become more concerned then, and so I get my pudgy self in the car and drive down to Park West. Ed's body is in the main trauma resuscitation area on a stretcher. He had on bib overalls. At the chest portion of the overall, there was what appeared to be a hoof print consistent with a cow, mostly mud. Other than the hoof print, there really wasn't much to see. Under it, I didn't see any sign of trauma externally. On his legs, there were several abrasions. Not terribly significant. I mean, something you do to yourself all the time if you were uh, uh, active. And somewhere about this time, I learned that there was a double indemnity life insurance policy for him. And they were very interested in having the case ruled as an accident, as a trauma, due to the, the trauma from the cow or cattle stepping on him. Well, now I decide to go out and talk to Raynella and, and go to the scene and see it myself and get a good idea about what's going on. Maybe you did do it. Maybe you savagely beat a 78-year-old man. Maybe police did get the right person. But you know what? To get you, they lied. And the witnesses lied. And stories changed. And so all that's left is for you to sit in prison year after year after year and say, but I did not do this. Is that justice? Look for season four of Murder on the Space Coast, where justice lies, on just about every major podcast platform. He got to the farm and he found a crowd of people, sheriff's deputies, neighbors, family friends, lawyers who knew him, and prosecutors who worked with him. There were a lot of people there. There were people from the sheriff's department there, people from the attorney general's office there. Raynell and the kids were there. They were all crying, sad, bad scene, bad scene. But Raynell was with it enough to talk to him in. You know, she said that Ed had been going downhill, but he still wanted to go out visit with his cows, and he went out by himself without, you know, anybody anybody around. She didn't hear him holler for help or anything like that, but came out and found him in a gateway area where a gate would open and close between two pasture areas or two fenced-in fields where the cattle would be fed. They said that that's where they found him. Ed's assistants held a press conference at the farm that afternoon, Jim Ballack was there. The story is this, is that Ed and Raynella had been down to the corral feeding cattle. The cattle surged. That was the exact word that one of the DAs used. The cattle surged, knocked Ed down, and he was killed in the, by being trampled. He and his wife, Raynella, were feeding cattle at the family farm. 
when the cattle surged and Ed was knocked down and trampled. That story went out on TV that evening, and it went in the next day's paper. But Pedigo had a hard time believing that story. He knew Ed was probably too weak to wander into the field on his own. Even if Rinella went with him, he was probably too weak. He knew about the morphine and the wheelchair. I mean, hell, everything was a red flag that I told you about. The not wanting to get the body moved to UT, uh, not wanting an autopsy, wanting a death certificate signed that indicated an accidental death. Those were all big red flags. Raynella insisted she did not want an autopsy. And Pedigo knows under the law then he can't just order an autopsy on his own. And at that time in Tennessee law, both the medical examiner and the attorney general had to sign off on an autopsy. But if I was having trouble with a family or trouble with whatever, the attorney general was my go-to guy to sort it out. And the attorney general's lying dead on a hospital stretcher in a pair of hoofprint-stained overalls. Rex McGee is next in line, and he's standing by Raynella. No autopsy. I mean, I didn't know Rex well, but I mean, there actually should have been sure, Doc. We've got to investigate this. Go right ahead, do a complete autopsy. Whatever you need, you know, we'll help you out. Should have been the response. I was uh, upset and disappointed by his uh, attitude and behavior. I mean, your attorney general is killed admittedly under suspicious circumstances and you don't want an autopsy? Pardon me, but that just, that's not judicially correct. I just remember they didn't want an autopsy. It's not, that's not in and of itself is not necessarily an unusual thing. There's no, in this case, there's no really no immediate indication of foul play. There are, there are legitimate, non-evil, not bad reasons that a family might not want an autopsy, emotional reasons, depending on the circumstances of the case. And as I said, in this particular case, there was no immediate indication of foul play. Pedigo called the sheriff. He wanted an autopsy too, but he couldn't order one either. So Pedigo called the U.S. attorney, the top federal prosecutor for the eastern third of the state. I called him on the phone and told him the situation. He said, look, I'd like to help you, but I... I can't. There's no federal purview in this case. It's exclusively a state and local matter. Obviously, I was worried. I called the sheriff. I called the U.S. attorney. I called everybody but Santa Claus to get me to help with this case. There are no witnesses except Raynella and the cows. And if the cattle have the answer, they're not telling anybody. Were there a lot of hoof prints in the dirt out there? Near oh, yeah. The cows the were still out there. Some were in some field, some were in another field. The cows were still there. Did they look easily startled? No. <laughs> they looked surprisingly calm, the way cows do. So Pedigo finally took the widow Dossett aside. I sat down and talked to Raynell and said, well, I've got to have some physical findings if we're going to rule that this case is an accident. If I don't, and I was very blunt with her. I said, the insurance company is going to eat us up. They will deny payment. We'll have to try this thing. And I'm going to have a very tough time knowing that Ed was dying of cancer that had spread, convincing anybody that this was an accidental death. And so after some discussion, she agreed to an autopsy. It wasn't a full autopsy, though, the kind that would have normally been done. 
Raynella set conditions. And our agreement was that I would do a torso autopsy only, chest and abdomen. And if I found signs of trauma, we'd stop and wouldn't do a head. She just didn't want his brain removed. And I can understand why. I mean, Raynella was a medical person and she'd seen autopsies and she knows how brutal that appears. You know, it appears brutal, it is brutal. That meant the pathologist didn't examine Ed's head or neck. There were no tests of his brain or internal organs. The autopsy didn't really answer any questions. There was a small blood clot just above Ed's heart. It was about the size of an egg. There was more signs of cancer, a few broken ribs, but not much else. Would it have been fatal to a healthy person? Probably not. Ed wasn't a healthy person. He was dying of cancer. Dr. Dorinka Malusnik-Polchan is the current county medical examiner. She studied the autopsy report and reviewed all the findings, but wasn't impressed. Uh, there were a couple of the photographs, and there were Polaroids <laughs> at the strange angles and insufficient. There was really no independent investigation by the medical examiner because at that time, I guess, that was not really done. Autopsy was not complete. The head was not done. And the autopsy was done by a pathologist who was not forensic pathologist. And essentially, it was done by a resident. So it wasn't really well done autopsy. It was really very, very questionable whether there was trampling at all because there were just not findings of it. Dr. Malusnik said all the injuries you'd expect to find in someone stomped to death by a herd of cattle, they just weren't there. The external injuries were minimal, uh, minimal. And as a matter of fact, one of the injuries described, which I, I, this is not a laughable matter. I, I want everybody to understand, you know, I'm not laughing at anything that is happening or has happened here. But when I read one of the descriptions that was on a leg, description of um, horseshoe. Well, the cows don't have option. I mean, they have a completely different set of uh, um, your feet, so to speak. So, so, so that itself just you know didn't make any sense. And of course, the head examination was not uh, not done. And the only um, injury that was ever described was a couple of fractured ribs. Well, that happens when you do um, resuscitation, and that's, that's common. People that's don't very think very that, common. It is it's common. very very common that ribs along the sternum are going to fracture with the chest compression during resuscitation. That's it. Pedigo ruled the death an accident, trampled by cattle. Case closed. But it was my policy, and I think it's the right policy that in a case like this, where a ruling could go one way or another, legitimately go one way or another, I tried to always rule in the family's favor. I would do that in cases of suicide, whether it's a suicide or not. I would try to rule in the family's favor within the bounds of the truth of the matter and within the bounds of medical evidence. There was one detail still not finished. State law required Ed's blood and other fluids be tested for drugs. That's a routine part of any autopsy. But there's a backlog at the state crime lab, and those tests normally take weeks to get results. The weeks turned into months, and nobody wanted to wait. So Pedigo didn't wait to make his ruling. We didn't think it was significant in what was going on. Pedigo signed the death certificate. The insurance company paid up. Ed was buried in a family cemetery on the farm he loved but the questions were not buried with him. 
within a couple of days, I started getting calls from farmers. And they're saying, domestic cattle do not stampede. That raised my eyebrows a little bit, but I think there were starting to be some questions, but no big wave of suspicion or doubt or anything like that, at least not among most people. Now, among a couple of lawyers, I think there were some suspicion, perhaps. Or I wouldn't say suspicion, but some questions. Well, I just discussed it with people that did grow up on a farm and did raise cattle. And I asked them, well, what are the chances that they would stampede and kill you? And I said, I never heard of such a thing. Pettigo wasn't satisfied, but he moved on. He had other cases and other problems to deal with. The governor appointed a new district attorney general, and Raynella married a new husband. David Leith. Ed's barber. But three years later, deputies found themselves called to the farm again. She said, Steve, I used to be a better shot than that, but I can hit you from here. I wonder why she was trying to kill me. We've never figured that out. On the next episode of Suspicion. She was very calculated about that and how she got him out to the farm. So, uh, yes, yes, we all found that very interesting. Raynella, at some point, called Steve and said, I found some papers about this child that you need to see. As I was running through the woods, there was a shot or two. Now, I'm not really counting them, I'm just running. This episode of Suspicion is written by Matt Lakin and narrated by me, Courtney Roark. It is produced by John Garcia, Erica Whitney, and Angela Gosnell. Original theme music by Elijah Newman and Chris Potosik. Sound engineered by Elijah Newman. You can subscribe to Suspicion wherever you typically listen to podcasts. Be sure to rate and leave a review as well. You can also keep up to date with us on social media. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SuspicionPod.